everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Sierra and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. Hey everybody! Hey everybody! Oh. This is Wayne and Mark, and we're we're starting a little early, just because it's light out in California, where Vanessa and she had given me uh, approval to call her Vane, and it's a nice Spanish name, and so and we're walking around her property where she is. So because we just got a few minutes of light, tell us what we're seeing, Vane, and so. uh, and and that you got, you told me before that where we're at and and you and explain to them after you say the bigger picture kind of the suburb that you're in and and how unusual um having as much land as you have there yeah so for those of you who may or may not know um i am in panorama city in california which is part of la of los angeles um but it's really not known for any of this Um, out here, you're going to find a lot more very cramped residential zones. Um, it's a very populated city. And we basically are a little oasis in the middle of the city. We are probably two minutes away from the highway. So it's great because you can get to anywhere. But behind me, it's residential. And yet here we are with about a quarter acre of land where we, we, me and my husband, grow food for community, for education. And, you know, we'll talk more about that. But there's something we're, we're doing called Market Zero. Um, but, yeah, this is pretty much a glimpse. We're trying to beat the light out here. By the way, then, if, you, yeah. if you stay on that, stay on that house behind you there quickly yep. go back a little bit. Um, everybody that, that that isn't from Southern California, that's a cinder block wall that separates that house from from Bonnie's property. And that house probably isn't 10 feet from that wall. And their windows yep. are looking at the wall. That's about it down there. And probably a bathroom window. But houses in Southern California, that I think what people thought when they came 50 years ago was they were getting their own little piece of the prairie and they wanted to be separated. So they put these cinder block walls everywhere. The neighborhood I grew up in, in Vani, you could get on the wall as a kid and you could walk for miles on top oh. of walls. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it was hilarious. Cinder block road. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's what, that's yeah, what you're looking yeah. at there. We so, can probably touch it. So tell us about, pieces of the the garden area there which we'll only be able to see while it's light right so what we've got going on right here we've got some onions we've got carrots we've got beets we've put let's walk over here um we have a variety of greens chard i mean look at this it's pretty magical right now it looks really incredible i'm really really proud of this We've got some citrus trees. And yeah. actually on the property, we have about, about over 40 trees and like quite a few varieties. This is my husband's little hobby. It's really gorgeous. I'm gonna see if I can, uh, you tell me if this stops or not, but I'm gonna give you a peek over the gate because there's more land over there. Um, so we have, um, what we call the, the back lot, where we do a lot of composting. And we have a nonprofit that leases out parts of uh, the land and they do composting here, it's called LA Compost. Okay, so this is the back lot, more trees, all kinds of plums, nectarines. We got an avocado, but didn't survive during that terrible heat wave we had last year so unfortunately that's gone 
Tell us what's behind you. Great. So this is the backside. This is the back lot. And this is where the gate opens to the farm. Because, you know, we are on a property and we've put, pretty much split it up into. And they compost. So what you were looking at was a compost pile. And so the farm is open every Saturday, 9 to 12. And we have volunteers come out and they either sit there and sift, turn compost, or we bring them onto the garden area where we have them weed, you know, perhaps they're planting something. And so what goes on on Saturdays is not only the, the volunteers come out to compost, but then we do this thing called Market Zero, my husband and I, where we create these pre-packed produce bags and they have we have them for sale. We, they, people pre-order them and they pick them up on Saturdays at curbside pickup. And we will include some of our vegetables, some of our produce, but we also work with a 30-acre organic farm who's a very good friend of ours who also provides food for the for the bags. By the way, I think I heard you say something about LA compost. Yes. Is that who you're working with on the compost side? Yes. Yeah, so they were a regional hub for LA Compost. We're their Panorama City hub. And so they have that pile that's going on out there. Every Saturday, compost, volunteers, and they're just turning that. When we come back, I want to show everybody a couple things. You're going to enjoy something, Vani. Uh -huh. We've had two amazing webinars in the last week and a half wow. with people from Mar Vista. Have you ever, yep. I didn't, I had, I'd grown up in LA. I've had an office there. I've been all around it, but I'd not heard of Mar Vista. Have you heard of it? Yeah, that's, I believe that's, that's South. That's near Manhattan beach, Redondo beach, right? It's by the ocean. See, you're at, you're off. You're, you're, you're now you're off a little bit. Really? It's actually, it's it's a it's essentially a community of Venice, so Venice is farther north than Manhattan or Redondo yeah. would be. Yeah, it is. You're right. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit it's more just, inland. It's, it's just on the inland. Yeah, it's on the inland side yeah. of Venice, so you could still walk to the beach, but you're not right on the beach. You're absolutely. So, they say anyway. They have the best farmers market out there, so I've heard. Oh, really? Well, well, there's a, one lady that we just had a great webinar with, Christy Wilhelmini, who yeah. does compost collection and then takes it to L.A. Compost. That's her partner. And then she returns at some point in the future that same container that people do their put their waste in she gets them back compost. So they're five-gallon containers that they, they get back compost in. By any chance, so, is her and company she just compostable? Started is it compostable that's LA? exactly what her company is, yes. We know it, the other it partner. It is, Compostable LA. Yes, we know them well. They, oh, yeah? Yeah, so the other woman, Monique, who actually founded, I think, LA, uh, Compostable LA, she's you know, been dropping off here forever. You know, I screwed, I screwed up and I said, Christy, we've had, Christy was the other, Monique is who we interviewed. Oh, <laughs> that we I, totally I was are. just thinking about Christy because she's, Christy's in Mar Vista also and, and she does basically urban farming and works in the urban community and they didn't know each other. They, oh, wow. they kind of heard a little bit about each other, but really didn't know each other. We totally know Monique and she drops off every week and we have her, we, if I would have made it all the way out, you would have seen her little buckets, Compostable LA. Yeah, that's her, <laughs> that's her business, Compostable LA, yeah. Small world. And, and she, I, we were shocked in how many people she's brought on in just six months. I mean, and starting during the pandemic, she's that's, done a really nice job of what she's, what she's done. Yeah, she's a really nice lady, and she's very dedicated. We we like her a lot. We we get to see her a lot, and we enjoy her company. So behind your left shoulder, it looks um, there's another fence, and there's even a 
a gateway looks like. Tell us, yeah, what it's kind of cool. It's like you go under a little gateway. What what's back in there? Yeah, so and right before the light goes away, there's the big cottonwood on the property, right in the middle, called Cottonwood Urban Farm. So over here we have well we have Peter the rabbit lives in that house and somebody just dropped him off over over here that little door that's the duck coop well there's peter waiting for his moment to shine (laughs) and then we have 30 ducks so we sell duck eggs those are the ladies and then what you were pointing at earlier. Tell me about the big. Yeah. Yeah. Show me that. And then I'm going to ask you some questions about ducks. I'll get those later. We, you can go back. We can do that after you go back inside. Okay. And back there, we have bees. Can't really see them. I don't know from here. But oh, we have okay. bees over there. We don't sell the honey or anything. We just have them here. You know, they pollinate. They do their job. And then we have more citrus trees back there. And then you're back to the duck pond. And then that faces the garden. Okay. And that, that's back towards the sun, so we can't see that as clearly yeah. that way. And then who did the cool who did the cool painting on either your house or what the right building here? we were looking at there? That was pretty cool. Yeah, so yep, that mural, right That's so my, my husband, so this, this whole property, he's built this up with his own hands. He and his friends just, cool. he bought this place and it was pretty much a, a junkyard. And he just started chipping away, cleaning it out little by little. And he's an artist by heart. You know, he, he's a teacher as well. He studied agriculture. So he just turned this property into, you know, his passion became his work. And that's what you see. All of this. All of that. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Not a bad place to spend COVID. <laughs> Quarantine was pretty nice out here. Oh. <laughs> <Not even> why. <laughs> right. Um got to ask this because you were a uh, like you said a pandemic wedding yeah um, you're Hispanic you have a culture of very <laughs> close relationships if, if any, how in the heck did you do a wedding um, and 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 uh, you know not have the, uh, the, the I don't even know what to call it whatever it would be that, that enforces social distancing <laughs> and such um, how we that, how we dodged that bullet is just a, a higher power is all we laugh about because you know yes I come I am Colombian and German very tight knit family I mean my guest list alone was just over a hundred people and I kept trying to reduce it and reduce it and it was impossible because you know there's always oh, you got to invite so-and-so. Oh, you got to invite so-and-so. And And it was like, oh my gosh. And I come from a big family, so I'm used to it. But Elliot, my husband, is an only child, very small family. So he was like, wait, how many people are we inviting? And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm trying. And then, you know, we, we kind of just surrendered to it and said well we're just gonna have one big wedding and we'll just call it a day be at the farm it'll be beautiful we get to share the space and then the pandemic hit so we had to postpone it which was a blessing and then you know we let it sit for a minute and then we tried to reschedule a very small wedding in july but again this the pandemic didn't allow us to do that so we ended up doing what we always wanted to do, which was just get married on the beach with our three dogs. And that was it. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> um, yep. 
Well, you got to be a little more specific now. Which which beach? <laughs> so we went to. So it was all very actually um, serendipitous, I guess you would call it. I have a friend who has a house out on in Malibu, oceanfront. I mean, beautiful place. Okay. And I just right. happened to be like, hey, any chance that place is open? Because it's a vacation rental for this person. And he was like, yeah, take it. Go for the week. Have fun. So, I mean, you couldn't plan it, anybody. You can pay for things like that. It just sort of happened. So we went out there with the dogs, Malibu Beach, stayed for a week and got married. So... I'm going to come back to the wedding, and yeah. here's why. I have a daughter who had similar circumstances as you, um, and I'll describe that in a little more detail to you. But um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I was going to go a completely <laughs> different direction there, and I lost it. Oh, oh, I know. I, I read that, yeah. that the governor opened your state up today. So I apologize that you're having the webinar, but I hope after it's over, maybe you and your husband can go out and didn't, <laughs> at least they said they opened restaurants up, they opened everything today. That's, you know what, we might, that might be a great idea. I could go celebrate something, you know, might as well. I mean, it's yeah. so, to be honest, yeah. it's been kind of strange because like I said, the fact that we got to quarantine here wasn't too bad because we're just living the life we've been living, which is you wake up, you hang out at the garden, you plant some stuff. Uh, I also have a community garden. That's how I got into this whole world. So I go there and then I come back here. So we're just kind of in this little bubble. So now going out into the world, is almost strange. You're just kind of like, oh, wait, what? I'm in a car? Where am I going? It's very, it's like you gotta ease into it. It's a little, it's a little odd. By the way, you're, you can stay outside as long as you want, and the light's great, but if it's easier for you to go back inside, set your wet, set your, your computer down, we'll just go ahead and do it. We'll, we'll just don't worry about it. We'll Why not? You know what? Do it's it whenever cold. you choose, whenever it works for you. It's getting cold in here. Yeah. The cold is probably even before the before it. So these are the funny little things that when I said my husband built everything, this is... He just creates things from scrap and just puts things together. It's pretty amazing. All right. We, we, we need to do a lot more of that. Yeah, we, that's one thing. We tend to just try to use everything we can that's on the property. All right. So. There we go. I, I've got... I have five hours worth of questions probably, and we're only going to go an hour. <laughs> we're going to go 40 minutes now. But <laughs> audience, if you guys Great. would, some of you I see there are, there are regulars, others of you are new, throw questions into the Q&A box. And because we're doing this as an interview format, please feel free to put your questions in whenever you have them, and Mark or I will be looking for them, and we'll, um, we'll throw them out. Um, whenever you probably ask them. Um, so a little bit, I'll finish the wedding story. So my daughter was scheduled to be married in May. Um, oh, like no, that. in April, excuse okay. me. And obviously we, you know, and, and we had a, a list of about 175 and we live on a ranch. So you think oh. you're in a neat place to be <laughs> going through the pandemic in? I, yeah. I don't have neighbors on two sides. I border national forests, and I can go oh. all the way to Rocky Mountain National Park without seeing anybody. Oh, and, but, and then I really, even my neighbors that I have are a half a mile away. So I don't really have neighbors. Um, so we were going to hold everything here, and I've actually had two other daughters that were married here. Wow. And, and it is kind of an event center. So we, we have weddings. We, we've, had, we've had events with as many as 1,000 people here. Wow. And, um, and so that, that, that was easy. So anyway, we had, we, we had to delay the wedding. <laughs> and my daughter was marrying a guy who's an, uh, an IT guy, and he was working in Oregon. 
So he had to plan his trip to come back, and then they were going to be moving immediately to Oregon. Wow. So the challenge was really more on his side to get something that could get done, unless they were just going to do like you did, which is just head to Oregon somewhere or have him come out here for a weekend, and and we would just four or five of us, you know, our family. So we have we have four kids. This was the last one to be married. So all three of the others were already married, and we have seven grandchildren. At that time, we had six because one of them's been born since. But oh, so yeah. six grandchildren. <laughs> anyway, it it ended up we ended up probably I hate to admit this, but violating many rules. But <laughs> we um, we held we had the wedding in in May, late May, right before Memorial Day, yeah. and it. We didn't do the wedding itself here because my my daughter did get the list down to about 40 people, and that was allowed in Colorado. So she used a, a known venue, which was beautiful, and about a 10, 15-minute drive from here. But we held essentially the reception the day before out here with about 150 people <laughs> and, and all outside. And, um, okay. and we have a beautiful pond so people could go swimming and they could go oh. boating and, and they could, we had a band and we had, I mean, all this stuff that was really cool. And, and then, and then had, you know, so we had a much larger group. So she, she pretty much got to have everybody that couldn't come to the wedding itself the day before. And then we did have a, a little reception actually after the ceremony there also. And then they left right from there and headed to Oregon. <laughs> so, wow. So they and did their honeymoon over over in Oregon and then yeah. The, yeah, we so everybody's so, still waiting for us to after the pandemic, we've decided we're probably gonna host just a big celebration. And I think I think everybody's going to just be ready to celebrate and be together anyway. So at some point, we don't know when, but hopefully that's the plan. So we're looking at your about page and now I'll go, let's take it back further in your life. Tell us, it says really right what we're looking at. You grew up in Miami. Yep. So when did you, when did you, you know, tell us about up till now, take start us at the start and just, kind of take us through what what your life has been, just where you've lived, you know, a five-minute description. Okay. Well, yeah, I grew up, I was raised in Miami, Florida. My parents are both Colombian, but my mom's side is German. So I also have family in Colombia. So not only did I grow up in Miami, but I would spend a lot of summers in Colombia, which is, which is great, because um, I was exposed to different culture, you know, and get to speak the language. A lot more often and then I I started to get into the acting world because that's what got me to LA I did I started doing commercials and doing some what they call theatrical and I was also going to college and paying for my college so that was kind of great <clears throat> doing both things at the same time and then I booked a movie per lifetime that was sending me to Puerto Rico for two months. And so I had to make a decision at that point because I was at that point studying architecture because I love, I love drawing, I love building and creating spaces, right? So that's where I thought I was going. And well, that decision had to change because when I realized that, ooh, I can really make a career out of this entertainment world, which I had no idea was even an option, I decided to go that way and change my, what I was gonna graduate from, from architecture to communications, because I figured, oh, well, I would like to do something in broadcasting and it's hand in hand with what I'm already doing, so that's great, and then I'll get an education. So I went to Puerto Rico, shot that movie, I came back, graduated from college, then I decided uh, I was gonna go to New York for a summer just to explore. Um, I didn't love it. I thought I would really enjoy New York and I was like, oh, that's not really for me. And then I was really just drawn to LA and I thought, well, graduated college, I have my degree. 
I'm making a career out of doing commercials and doing some TV stuff, so I'm ready to move to LA. And I did that in 2000, oh God, I want to say 2007. I'm not even sure if that's right. But yeah, I moved out to LA to pursue this acting career. And luckily, woohoo, I was able to make a living and a career out of it. And it wasn't up until maybe two, it was two, two years ago, two or three years ago when I started to this idea of what is behind the beat today, which was just my journey of learning to garden, learning to grow my own food, really getting interested in food and the benefits of eating healthier foods. And I just was very curious. And so I started to, you know, do a container gardens in my little apartment. And then that led to me deciding to rent a plot out at the community center. So they have, we have community gardens out here. So I decided to get three plots there to sort of expand. And funny enough, that was what the pandemic started last year. So I had just taken that plot a year before that. So it was perfect timing because I got to build that, start to learn how to really grow things, work on the soil. And it kind of was really a big metaphor for life in general because it taught me so many things. Gardening and farming, it was just like, oh, wait a minute. You have to let go of a lot of the things you think are supposed to be a certain way. And you got to let nature sort of guide you. And I really just dove into that world because I wanted to find, you know, something else than acting other than acting just to keep me busy. And then I met my husband volunteering on his farm because I decided, oh, I'm going to volunteer with LA Compost so I can learn more about soil and blah, blah, blah. And he, I walked in and he was the guy and we didn't stop talking after that day and now we're married and now I live on the farm and I um, spent quarantine here and the pandemic and really got into gardening and farming and cooking and eating well and learning a whole new world because my acting career sort of took a pause because you know the pandemic and as you can see behind me there's my at-home studio where I put myself on tape for auditions still, but now my career is, it might be taking another turn because behind the beat, I turned it into a nonprofit where I can share all these experiences to, with the community. Bonnie, what, what's your observation of how the entertainment industry is gonna come back after the pandemic? Because I'm sure your stories, you're, you've got the good story. I, I happen to have, because I grew up there, I happen to have friends that are in the industry. Um, I have friends of my children who are, quote, starving artists, didn't have, haven't had any of the breaks that you've had in the L.A. area. And, and, and meaning they were doing it for several years, way before mm. the pandemic, you know, were, were literally, one of them had leads in, in big musicals in Denver, thinking that she could then go to LA. She's not even hardly done commercials in LA. But now, because of the pandemic, she is really thinking, I may never go back. I may never be back in the industry. So yeah, it's, she's not, yeah. she's 29, she's 28, so she's not too old. But. It's tough. It's I've seen it, you know, like I said, I'm grateful to have made a career out of, you know, I stopped doing what they call the theatrical world maybe four years ago, four, three years ago. I decided to let that go and just focus on commercials. And luckily that was I was able to make a career out of it. But you can see how it's changed completely now. I mean, the fact that we are I'm adjusting to the fact that I have to do these self tapes now when you know used to go into an, a room and you meet somebody and you talk to them and it's like that connection was great 
now I have to do, I have to be the producer, the director, the lighting guy, the, you know, the editor, I have to do all of that. And so I don't see in-person auditions coming back for a very long time. And they, I feel like they may not even really come back because I, I think for them, they're also seeing the benefit in, well, why rent a large space? A building and spend all this money when we can just have the actors send tapes from home. The thing is, it's hard if you didn't get into the business, you're really up against a lot of competition. But I don't know. At this point, I believe anything can happen because anything has happened, you know? Like, well, who well, knows? Yeah, we'll leave this in just a second, but I have one more question about so. Because you just don't hear this. You, we hear it about our um, our athletes, about how they're dealing with the pandemic and able to play in groups and, and such. What happens on movies or TV shows and such today in terms of quarantine and such? And are they living in bubbles, as we call it? Or how does that work? If yeah. you were still in the theatrical space more, how does that um, work? Well, I know because... Um, I have a couple of friends who actually are still in the theatrical world. And what happens with them is if they book a job, you know, and a lot of work is going to Canada. So they'll book a job. They send them to Canada wow. and they have to quarantine for two weeks. I mean, serious quarantine. You're in an apartment for two weeks. You can't even walk out. You can't go for walks. You have to stay in your apartment and then you are released and then you get to go on set. But you have to be very careful. You have to follow you know, several protocols, you know, and back then, back in the day, you'd book a, a co-star or a guest star, you could work for one day out of the week, and then you might work two weeks later, they'd fly you back and forth. So, you know, you had time to go back to your family or do something else. Now, you, like, I have a friend who's working, and she works maybe once a week, but now they have her just stay, and she might be there for six months working once a week because because of the pandemic. Wow. All right. right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got to ask, an L, this is now going to move us back towards the farming and yeah. the, the urban farming that you're doing. Um, it, you, you've, your customer base, mm -hmm. if if you're, and I'm guessing you're not, you are not a, a typical person who lives in a residential area in California who doesn't know who their next door neighbor is, doesn't right. know who their neighbor two doors down. All their friends are 20 minutes away or 10 minutes away or so <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. And, and have you gotten, has, has the urban farming helped you learn to know your neighbors? And are they involved with compost? Are they involved on compo in compostable LA and so on? So they're walking to what they're doing. They're more New York-like right. um, than California-like when everybody jumps in a car and drives somewhere. So. so, yeah. So to answer that, you know, so during when the pandemic hit, we decided, you know, people, the neighbor, the community, the neighbors were calling Cottonwood Urban Farm. They were looking up the phone number and asking if we sold food. You know, this is when everybody was freaked out and wouldn't go to the grocery store. And so we had to keep telling people like, no, we don't, that's, that's not what we do. It's more of a community thing and educational. So then my husband and I decided to pivot and be, and be like, okay, well, let's help. Let's, how can we help here? We have a friend, my husband works with uh, the guy, uh, it's Frecker Farms. He's on Carpinteria and he has a 30 acre organic farm. And my husband works with him at his farmer's market stand on Sundays. And we're very good friends. So we were like, why don't we work with him, partner up, get his produce. We'll create a bag, make it really simple where it's pre-packed. You don't get to pick and choose. It's whatever's in, you know, whatever's in that week and whatever he has available. It's about eight items. It's a very specific price. And you pre-order it. And we'll pack it ourselves on Saturday mornings, and then you can come pick it up Saturday morning during the open farm hours. So that started, and we thought it was going to be just like a two-week thing, so people get some food from the community. Happy. Cut to where are we? January. I don't even know what date it is today, but January 2021. 
we're still doing this thing. We called it Market Zero. We do it every week because anytime we would try to stop, people from the community just were like, no, we want to keep buying from you guys. We love this. And so our little market is sort of kind of growing. And I'm like I like I said earlier, I like to create spaces. So we've created a little stand, we set it up outside, we put out the bags. We put extra bags now because we have a lot of the community walking by because now they're seeing activity and they're going like, what is this? I didn't know there was a farm here. Oh my God. And what you can volunteer and you can buy food. And so, yeah, now we have regulars, our regular neighbors. We even have customers who are driving 30 minutes to come out here just because they're excited to come to a little urban farm. They volunteer. They pick up food um, and now we like we get to just we know them. It's pretty crazy. Like, yeah, we have completely done this whole community building thing without even realizing that this is what we were doing. Isn't that cool? That, that might be long term, five years from now, that might be some of the best of what you've done, because we need to get back to community food and community engagement because yeah. it'll go way beyond food you oh, guys yeah. will start sharing i mean the whole sharing economy will start to come into play and it won't just be on the food side and it, it'll be amazing so um yeah again i said i had lots here's an audience question and i think you partially answered this one but um sierra asks how often do you have to visit local markets yourself to shop for things that you and your husband eat? That's a really good question. Hi, Sierra. Um, funny enough, it's, you know, we very maybe once a week, maybe, because what we'll do now is we'll visit a local grocery store and buy our proteins. And then we'll probably just buy enough to have where we can freeze it and we have all the vegetables we need. Like, it's like we can't get enough. <laughs> it's just, just walk outside. We have eggs. So, I mean, maybe once every two weeks, to be honest. It's, it's really fun. And you start to realize when you're growing your own food, you don't have to go very far many times. And by the way, she said how luscious it looks. She's from Ohio. I, I, I know her. She works with me. Yeah. She, she's loved coming to this, and she really wants to get. But realize, you know, that's, that's in winter there now, just like it is where I'm at. And yeah. so this is a time of the year, Sierra, in Southern California, and you've seen this from Monique and Christy, where it's the perfect time to be having these cool season. Everything she showed you is just yeah. flourishing right now. So um, just because it's of the time popping. of year. And, and you're doing all of this off of a garden hose from a water side, right? Yeah. So we, well, we've set up, yeah. And we, my husband set up an irrigation system because, you know, like I said, he just does all of this fun stuff. But yeah, garden hose just. No, we saw it. that. But I mean, you don't have a separate well. You don't no, have no, a no. separate agricultural well at all. This no. is all done on, on what you would have from your city water. So it's yep. very cool. Yep. Wish we had um, Back to the ducks. I said I'd ask you, so I'm going to ask a question about the ducks. Yeah. Um, 30 is a lot. So I raise a lot of things, including a lot more than 30 ducks, but over 1,500 chickens. Wow. Uh, 250 alpacas, <gasps> um, cattle, you name it, 100,000 fish. Anyway, um, ducks literally can be filthy animals. You didn't, you didn't show anything real filthy. They don't like, they're not very clean at all. Nope. And, you know, and how, how many eggs a day do you get? And do you, are you incubating? So when you get to the point where, where you're going to have to replace, and you're, you're early on, so you probably yeah. aren't having to replace any of your layers yet. Um, but what about how many eggs are you getting a day? 
we're a day i'm not even counting daily right now they're kind of slow actually we're t we're probably collecting i mean on saturdays we're putting out about five, six dozen eggs and selling them out um that's about i think what we're getting on a weekly basis there could be more hidden because they're also roaming during the day and they have these you know as you know nests everywhere and we're not collecting them so much to really be selling like duck eggs we're just sort of providing enough on saturdays where people are like interested and they're like oh you have duck eggs and so we sell out what we put out but i would say about i would say like six dozen right now and then i eat an egg, i eat two eggs every um, day. <laughs> by yep. the way we have we have a separate flock of chickens from the 1500 that is the commercial flock and ours are all free range they can go wherever they want and um and then we actually move around in the commercial her flock they're lo they're living in what are called chicken tractors so they they oh, will yeah. graze cuz chickens won't go very far um so they don't just go in the same place but but our low, our our what we call our our personal flock, which is about fifty, we get about six six dozen duck eggs. Oh, excuse me, chicken eggs a week. Oh. so very similar numbers, and ours are just like an Easter egg hunt because they lay everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Where the commercial ones, the commercial ones. Our, our chicken farmer, so I don't do that. We have a dedicated chicken farmer. They all lay in boxes on a oh. wall that's like 15 feet long. All of them. So Every egg, that. if you yeah. can believe that. Amazing. Wow. Yes. That sounds dreamy. I'm, uh, <laughs> I love anything that's organized and, and lots of order. So actually funny, me moving out to this farm was also another life lesson for me which has always, it's just started with the garden where you can't control things, you know? And that was part of it. It was, hey, they're, they're laying anywhere. So, you know, nothing is gonna be like this. You just kind of have to go with it. And there might be an egg here, might be an egg there. But one of the fun things that we do is we have some uh, parents who bring their kids on Saturdays. And so one of the newer things we do is we don't even collect the eggs anymore. Maybe we just like a couple of them, but we have the kids run out and they love, hunting for these duck eggs. They just, they are overjoyed. So we let those kids yeah. run and they collect. All my grandkids, that's the highlight of yeah. their day is going to yeah. find eggs. And, oh, and I'll, I'll tell you a, I'll tell you a funny, but kind of, it wasn't funny to me at the time story about <laughs> that uh, in just a second, but on your Instagram page, um, yeah. There was a picture of a of a crane or some kind of a, putting a shipping container in, oh, which yeah. was already had had a, a, a site. Was that was that on your place or is that somewhere else? That's actually right across. You guys didn't get to see it. So across the composting pile, we purchased this big container because pre-pandemic, part of the idea to expand the, the farm was to start classrooms. You know, outdoor classrooms. My husband is a teacher and that's, he got a degree and all that. And I've had teachers in my family, my whole, like my whole life. So I think naturally I've always been a teacher. So we were, we were going to start having workshops and all these classrooms and having kids. And so we purchased this container, which I mean, eventually will still be that just, it's a matter of time, but that, that's the whole plan. That was what that was for turning it into an outdoor classroom right very cool i have eight of them wow. so <laughs> uh, that i've converted to a variety of different agricultural production oh, um, I love so you'll that. eventually you'll have to come and visit here and see them yes. but um i got to go back to one other thing you threw out which was carpenteria where yep. um, you know you you've got the the relationship, and every Sunday your husband's able to go. Is he yep. a surfer at all? My husband, he's trying. Um, <laughs> yes, is he a surfer? <laughs> he he would like to um, learn. Tell him about a. Tell me about a. Tell him about a break. Remember this; it'll be simple. 
Because okay. it's actually, there was a TV show that was made that way back, you would, you'd be too young to even remember it, but mm-hmm. called Rincon. There is a really famous reef break at Carpinteria that's called Rincon. And oh, yes, once he Rincon. begins to surf, yeah, he should have aspirations to surf Rincon. It's a really very cool place. So, I will let him know. Um, We've taken up paddleboarding. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a ton of fun too, and also yeah. great, great yeah. from a physical fitness perspective. So, yeah, um, very neat. Yeah, I see. I see the board. Yeah, there you go. Um, so back to the back to your place. Um, yep. You talked about education being an aspiration moving forward. Um, what are other aspirations? What would you like to see um, the 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 place be in five years? Oh. Let's say the pandemic, it, we're, we're at least done with it a year from now. So you got four years where it's, pa- it's post-pandemic. Well, that would be amazing. Once, and it's going to happen. I see it already. I feel like what we would love for this space is to go back to its roots, which is serving community and education. So we would love for it to become a constant place of either field trips, uh, corporate events that come out to the property and they want to just do two, three hours of learning what it is to garden, to farm, growing food. You know, we want to have a variety of classes available. We would like to continue our, our open, like pub, open to the public days, maybe expand on those. We would love to expand the market. Um, so one thing I did mention is during the pandemic, we were approached by Cedar sinai and they encouraged us to apply for a grant, which was all about food access. And so they had heard about our Market Zero program somehow and thought it was really interesting. Long story short, my husband fills out this grant, which is really amazing, and we, we get it. So now this year we're expanding Market Zero and the idea is to not, hopefully it won't just be curbside pickup anymore, but like it becomes some kind of like a farmer's market, but the, for the community, you know, where it's, it's not like the other farmer's markets where it's like a ton of vendors and it's just more about bringing people to the space where they can buy some food, pick their own produce, walk around, sit on a bench, have some tea, enjoy, you know, nature, forget about being in a busy city for a second and then go about their day. So ideally, that's what we would love for the space is to just rent it out, open it to the community, offer classes, and just really share it. Share this place that we've been building and just kind of curating little by little. Very cool. I'm going to do something. We got 10 minutes left here, everybody, and and so make sure if you've got questions, put them, pop them in the box. And if you want to have us unmute you, just raise your hand, and and Mark will unmute you, and we'll have you ask them live. But I'm going to do something with you, Bonnie. That's called the lightning round, and yep. it's just a whole series of questions, very quickly that you don't have to think much about. You right. I want you to literally just bring the answer that comes right to mind, and and we'll do that for about five minutes and we'll see where we're at. So right. let's start with this one. Other than your parents, other than your parents, um, who was somebody that really influenced you um, in your teenage years that might be why you really love what you're doing today and you had no idea that you were going to ever get to that point? My grandma comes to mind. My grandmother, okay. she was. She had nothing to do with gardening. <laughs> but, yeah, but, well, that's still, by the way, when I've asked this question and I've asked it a thousand times, probably, yeah. I, I bet half of those times it's been a grandparent. <laughs> it's been what, what the answer was. So um, how about, and you have a page on your website right now called Brain Food. And 
Um, and it's really cool. So this question relates to that. What's a book you've read or something in print in the last year that you just highly recommend? So maybe take the list you have there. Pick one of those out because people can't pick all of them. Right. Um, uh, the one that comes to mind, I don't even know. Oh, there it is. It's called Just Food. That book, I read it. And that's the one that really got me thinking about food and like where it comes from and why does that matter? And just questioning, you know, going to the market, what does it matter if it's organic or not organic? And what's, what's the weight of those labels? What do they mean? You know, it, that book really got me in that space. And I think that's an important and I think a powerful place to be so that you can start creating your own, you know, thoughts and your own opinion, opinions about things, not just because so-and-so said so. Who is a person, or it could be more than one, who have really affected you now that you have created this mindset of being in this healthy food space? Who has affected me? Um, man. Yep. I, mentor. Let's even say mentor, yeah. if that's possible. Uh, well, I was I was really going to say my husband because he's the one that really taught me. I got I had the bug about gardening and uh, growing my own food, but he I look at him and I ask him all the questions on how to grow this, how do I do that? From, how, from everything you've said, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. From everything you've said, that he'd be the one. By the way. He, I, I'm call, I'm going to call him the MacGyver of, of farming right now. That's that's what I have in my head about it. That's exactly what he would be because you know some of um, the answers would be just try it, but just do it. And I and I would be like, yeah, yeah, but I need you to give me an answer. I need you to tell me. But what what exactly happens when I do this? And he's like, find out. Put it in the ground. You'll and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And, but that's how you learn, right? Okay, it's like, okay, that worked. That didn't work. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of amazing. If you went out into your garden right now and mm -hmm. pulled up a handful of soil and you then went into the walkways that are next to it and pulled up a handful of what I'm going to call from those areas dirt, would mm -hmm. we really see a difference? Yes. Oh yeah. You'd feel it. You'd smell and what, it. What would the, be the thing that first comes to mind that would be really different as we visually looked at it from one to the other? If I stick my hand in our beds and pull out a bunch of soil, it would be, it would be moist. It would be cold. It would have worms in it. It would feel rich. Um, it would be dark. It would be beautiful. I mean, I can go on. Yep. It would, yep. it would All those are great. You, you, you gave a whole through. bunch of descriptions. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All of those things are, those are great descriptors. <laughs> What's a tool of some kind? It could be a tool mm. for use in your kitchen. It could be one used out on the farm. It could be an internet tool. Anything that you've used in the last, since the pandemic started, so last year, let's say, that you'd recommend to somebody else? Oh, I've been using the heck. So, uh, the, what's it called? Um, it's like a little Swiss Army knife. I already forgot the name of it, but it's got it's a multi tool, um, and it's got everything in it. And yep. I use that. Multi tools. To, yes, I use the, I use that to prune, to cut, to slice, to stir my tea. Everything. If I didn't have anything else, I would get away with that. By the way, it may be, I'm going to take a guess of who, yeah. if the, the name that you maybe were trying to think is, it, was it a Leatherman? Yes. That That's is. a brand, by the there way. There you go. That thing. The Leatherman. Which, by the way, you know, when, 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 so, <laughs> when somebody uses a Kleenex, they mean, it could <laughs> yeah. be any brand. That's just what Kleenex. When you use Scotch tape, yeah. it could be a lot of other brands, but. Leatherman is one of those that that is caught yep. the yeah. I'm gonna call. So, it. Yep. All right. Um, 
So this is the tough one of the group. This is the last one. And you can be very generic about it or more specific, whatever you like. Tell us about some incident that's occurred in your life that at the time seemed like it was just awful, maybe even sort of life-changing in a bad way, that as you look back on it, you realize that it, it was the, maybe one of the best things that could have happened. Wow. A life-changing event. Wow. You know, um, luckily, I haven't been through many tragedies in my life. I'm really grateful for that. I think about, my dog is bugging me right now. You know, I think about my wedding. I think about the wedding because even though we wanted a small wedding, at the same time, I've grown up with a big family and wanting to share something so big in my life. Um, <gasps> hey, now, that's my dog. Um, and Elliot and I have only known each other. I know he's got something to say. We've only known each other two years and it was instant with us. Let me grab this guy because he wants to be a part of this. Sorry. There you go. That's Brando guys. Um, so I think. Oh, we love it. Oh, thank you. That's cool. I think having to cancel the wedding was a big, it was a bummer. Um, at first because you have to like let go of the idea that you can't see your whole family and share this special moment but it ended up being one of the best things because we got to lock in Elliot and I just the two of us during this quarantine during this pandemic and really lock in with each other but with the space and so where the space was or would have been when we were supposed to get married to where it is today it's night and day and it's growing exponentially so i feel like when we actually do get to come together with everybody it's going to be an incredible it's going to be even more magical than we could have ever imagined yeah wow that's very cool so cool so we're gonna people throw some questions in if you have them but i'm gonna end this with letting vane give us just last thoughts and Mark's been showing all things about your website. So I think it's pretty clear how people can get a hold of you yes. from that. We never did ask you sort of where um, the name of the, the website came from, you know, but because you gave us a generic reason. But we can, that could be later. And we'd love to probably have you back a couple years from now or something. But just give us some fin- final thoughts. Final thoughts. I mean, you know, final thoughts are I am I'm excited to transition behind the beat from just being my passion project to actually turning it into a a nonprofit. So I'm waiting to get approved for that 501c3. And I'm just saying I hope everybody can be encouraged and inspired by it and to start growing your own food, even if it's, it doesn't matter where you are. It could be small spaces. I started in containers and you're not only, you're not just physically growing food and you get to eat it. There is something behind that, that I couldn't even explain to you. You would only know it by trying it. It changed my life. I was able to let go of things. I was able to surrender to stuff and I grew so much by just diving into the world of growing my food and then cooking with the food that I've grown, to me, it's a game changer. And I would encourage anybody and everybody to do that. And if you need advice and encouragement, follow me and I will try to help you along the way, but go for it. Like, don't be afraid. Just, you can't go wrong. You can't be wrong. That's awesome. Thank you. Again, I could have four or five more hours of questions, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to be reaching out to you separately to just tell, talk, chat with you about a few things. Um, I have some ideas about the 501c3 side, oh, which because I have this, the the Eat community is yeah. is owned by a nonprofit called the Institute of Economics, which is a 501c3. Um, I was looking at that for 27 years, and. Oh. 
one of our charters is that we can actually sponsor other entities under us where they take advantage of our 5013C status immediately while they're trying to get their own. Wow. Well, yeah. Wow. So that's something that if, if it ever helped, you yeah. could, you know, you, you wouldn't have to wait because sometimes it takes longer than you'd like to right. get the 501c3. I've heard. Um, so, well, and, and lots of other things. Interestingly, one quick little thing um, I said about learning how to farm and, and different things. I had um, cousins who lived in Oklahoma who literally grew up farming, born on a farm. Their dads and moms were born on a farm. Their grandparents were born on a farm. Their great-grandparents migrated from the East Coast in wagon trains wow. on farms. <laughs> I was not a city kid. I had spent some time on farms, but I appeared to them to be a city kid. Two things they did to me when I was with them the first time on that farm in the summer, and I was there alone. My parents weren't there, and you know, I just my parents would probably put in child welfare today for the things that they allowed <laughs> me to do as a kid. But anyway, um, here's the two things. One of them involved chickens, and the other involved cattle. So I'll start with the chickens because that one was just, you know, I learned so much from it. They told me that my job was to go collect eggs. And in, in the, they had some nest boxes, so they were in the nest boxes. And they said that if a chicken is sitting and laying on, in an area, you have got to get this clothes hanger underneath her as soon as possible and get those eggs out from under her because if they start to get cool at all, after she lays them, they'll go rotten. Well, I started taking that clothes hanger and just taking it under every chicken I found <laughs> to make sure those eggs weren't going to go bad. Oh, my God. About three days later, my uncle came and said, Wayne, what are you doing? We're only getting about, and by the way, <laughs> eggs were a part of their living. Oh, my God. We're only getting about half as many eggs. And I said, well, I'm making sure the regs don't rot. And he said, did my sons tell you to do that? And I said, well, anyway, anyway. Oops. The second one was they milked their own cattle oh, by boy. hand then. And so I, I learned to milk. And, you know, it, it came out as white milk. Oh, and one day I said, where do you get the chocolate milk from? Oh, no. Oh, no. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And it happened that I asked the question right across from where they kept the bull. Oh. oh and no. they said, you see that thing sticking out? It looks like a tit from the cow. <laughs> That's where you get the chocolate milk. You, you need to go get to it. it. Did you? You oh, need to no. go get some. <laughs> oh no! I was halfway there. Oh. I was within five feet of that bull when my uncle saw what was going on. <laughs> it's called tough love. And saved <laughs> me action. from. Yeah, oh. It saved me from getting stomped um, by oh. that bull. So, oh man! Oh goodness! But. I'll never forget, I'll never forget either of those little, little farm things that were huge mistakes, but man, they, they, they will you know, ingrain on you. Well, there's stories. So I don't be like, afraid to make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Don't make, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm learning it, right? I'm, I feel like I'm a novice, but I, and every day I'm learning something new and every day my husband's like, well, try it out. What do you think? I'm like, oh gosh. But yeah, you know what? You always so walk cool. away with a story, and that's I, that's how I've learned. That's how I've learned. Yeah, so cool. Well, hey, I don't see any other questions. We kept you six minutes too long, and I was going to bring my dog in here. He's actually, I closed the door to my studio, and 
when I'm in here so he doesn't come and sit on my lap. But um, and, and uh, next time we do something, I'll, I'll do that because what a cool way to finish. Thank right. you so much. You've been thank awesome. You. Mark, thank you for all you do behind the glass. Absolutely. Yeah. And Areeb, thank you for all your help. Audience, thank you. Yes. Um, we'll have another webinar tomorrow. I'm doing my webinar tomorrow. And then, um, and with that said, thank you so much, Vane. And thank you. have a great rest of your day. Go out and celebrate. Go, I go will. out and find some place with your husband. We're open. And Mark, <laughs> why don't you take us out? Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT Community Podcast.